Hi, this is Sports Down South. I am your host, Trey Tedford. With me is Dr. James Allen. Uh, we'll be discussing the ACC, SEC, the Big 12, uh, when they become relevant, and the small doses, uh, the small dogs of the AAC and CUSA. Today, we'll talk about the SEC uh, versus the ACC in basketball. Uh, we'll also be talking about the NCAA investigation, and then also uh, maybe throw in there a little bit of Sunbelt Conference basketball tournament since we'll be attending there next week. Um, hey, James, welcome welcome to the show, or welcome to our show, uh, Sports Down South. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing great. Uh, it's a Sunday afternoon here in Charlotte. You're in lovely Memphis. We got the South on lock. Just um, happy to be joining you. Perfect. Yeah, sounds like good. Uh, it's a beautiful time in Memphis right now. Actually, the rain stopped, so it's looking good here. But um, I guess, do you have anything before we start? Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, based on the premise of the show, what, you know, why do you think college sports are so big in the South, such a part of the culture? Man, honestly, I think that uh, sports down South is such big in the culture because um, every family's kind of grown up watching sports, uh, kind of fully invested in it, uh, especially with the football um, aspect. Memphis being a basketball town, you know, we have East High School, the best probably honestly probably the best high school basketball team in the in the nation uh located here and just you know being bred born and bred to play sports as a child and um have that engulfed in your atmosphere it's kind of what i believe uh why i believe sports is so big here in the south how about you for sure uh you know i just was thinking about how like you know gener last previous generation we didn't really have any pro teams and the South, and we didn't really have a lot of big cities. You had Atlanta, but like Nashville hadn't come into its own. Charlotte hadn't come into its own. Memphis was actually, you know, a big city, bigger than Nashville, but it didn't have any pro teams. So like the, I think the colleges were our pro teams. Like we, we didn't grow up with big metro areas. Like now, obviously Charlotte is a big, you know, first class city. Memphis, first class city. Nashville, um, of course, Atlanta. Cities in Florida. You know, Miami, Tampa, Orlando have gotten big. But historically, like you said, we just grew up watching sports, and we preferred college sports because we didn't really have any pro teams besides the Atlanta Braves, you know, to be to be truthful. And so I think, you know, if you grew up in Alabama, Alabama or Auburn, that is your pro team. Or you grew up in Mississippi, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, those are your pro teams, or maybe Southern Miss. But – I just think that's the way it is. And then, of course, we have a crazy history of being really, really good. I think that's the other reason. So, you know, we rallied around those colleges like they were our pro teams, and we didn't have a lot of big cities back in the day. But looking at – before we got on air, I did a little research. Look at how many um, championships in college football have come out of the South. So, of course, Alabama has the most. They got something ridiculous like 17. Then you've got Tennessee, Miami's got five, Georgia Tech has four championships, Florida's got three, FSU's got three, of course they had to rebuttal the Gators, LSU's got three, Ole Miss has three, people, I didn't know that, um, you know, it have been a while in the 50s and 60s, SMU's got three, Texas A&M's got three, Auburn's got two, Clemson's got two, Georgia Tech. University of Georgia, UGA's got two, and TCU, I'll throw them in there. They've got two. So we've dominated college football. And then college baseball, it's ridiculous. Miami's got four titles. 
Then you got Georgia. LSU's got six. Rice got one in there from CUSA. South Carolina, of course, is top program. They've got two college World Series titles. Then you got Vandy, Virginia, UVA. Coastal Carolina winning it two years ago. Then Gators won it last year. And then don't even look at college basketball. You're going to really be jealous of the South. Kentucky's got eight. The Tar Heels got six. Duke's got five. Louisville's got three, but that's got a little asterisk on there. We'll get into some of that stuff <laughs> with why they got that asterisk. But they had two in the 80s, you know, unrelated to any Rick Pitino shenanigans. And then you got um, the Gators had the back-to-back championship. And, of course, NC State has two titles, too. So, I mean, dominant in all these college sports that are relevant. I mean, yeah, I agree with you completely. Uh, you know, in Memphis, you're exactly right. With not having a lot of pro sports teams around you for football, we definitely kind of cling to a, a, a team. Like, most of them either go Memphis, Ole Miss, Tennessee – um, I mean, when you're living here, you definitely saw a lot of that, you know, with the yeah. team, uh, people kind of clinging into their specific, I guess, where they went to school, where their parents went to school, and kind of definitely get engulfed in that atmosphere of, uh, you know, being a fan of them, of that school, which, which is a nice thing that you t- touched. And I didn't really notice how many uh, basketball and baseball championships the South has won um, in college sports. That, that's a nice little tidbit yeah. of information you showed us today and, and, and to be fair the Pac-12 has just an insane amount of college world series titles and so does University of Texas but you know as of in my lifetime the South has dominated that the, the SEC particularly but then the ACC has been in there as well but um, yeah you know I don't want to leave out Arkansas the Razorbacks because uh, you you know mentioned in Memphis there are those Razorback fans there and they do have one national title when uh, Lou Holtz was there actually so I don't want to leave them out. Great. Uh, perfect. Well, I guess the next thing we'll, we'll jump into uh, would be SEC versus ACC basketball. Now, I know, you know, you're a big ACC guy, but I, I think this year the SEC might be able to, you know, sweep in there and do some damage in, the, uh, in March Madness. All right. Well, let, me, let me hear your argument. All right. So I'm looking at, you know, just looking at some of the teams. Um, and honestly, Kentucky, they haven't played well until late, and they're playing great now, great basketball. I think they might be able to make a run in their tournament to where they can make a run in the NCAA tournament, as always. Um, you, have Tennessee, you have Tennessee this year who's come out of nowhere and played just phenomenal basketball. Bruce Pearl has done a fantastic job uh, reorganizing that team, restructuring that team. You have Florida. Um, you know, our boy uh, Chris Chioza is just killing it out there. I think he's he can have a chance to make a good run there in the in March Madness. Um, I think top to bottom, I think the top the ACC might have more talent, but when you get down to the bottom, like the Ole Misses and the um, I guess the Missouri's, the Ole, the Vanderbilt, I, I think that's where the SEC is a lot stronger than the ACC, um, in my opinion. Now, what, what are yeah. your thoughts on on the ACC? Well, let me first comment on what you said about the SEC. So you're right. Bruce Pearl at Auburn is – I can't even believe how good they are. They they won the regular season, right? Yeah, they tied it with uh, Tennessee. I think they both won. Oh, they're okay. both 13, they're, yeah, I think they were both 13-5 and five in the conference and, play. And Rick Barnes is at Tennessee, right? So he, mm-hmm. he's done a phenomenal job as well because they were kind of in shambles before he got there with oh, scandals sure. as well. Um. 
well, the coach had a scandal from his previous school, which was Southern Miss. God bless him. But anyway, um, but yeah, Kentucky, I have to give you, they are coming on strong. Now, Florida, I think, is a pretender, and I'll touch on some of that as well. Um, and so who else are you looking at? Texas A&M? I mean, you, some of I these. Really, I, I think Texas A&M, they're okay. I think uh, Arkansas is a team that's a little, they're feisty. They've always been feisty. That's kind of their style of play. I think they're a team that maybe make it to Sweet 16. Um, I don't see them going further than that. But the guys making the big runs, I think, um, I think Missouri would have a chance if they had Michael Porter Jr. Uh, but since okay. he's been injured, I think that that kind of really sets them back a lot. Still a good team, still make the tournament, but uh, in my opinion, I think they're just going to be uh, they'll come up short in like the first or second rounds. But Auburn, Tennessee, and Kentucky are my teams that I think can make a huge splash in the March Madness. I see one of those teams making it to the Elite Eight, maybe one of those teams, one or two making it to the Elite Eight, and one making it to the finals, if not the Final Four. Um, in my opinion, I think Kentucky's the one to do it just because Cal knows what to do when it gets to March. Uh, he'll get his boys in order, and, or his freshmen in order, and I think they'll be um, going on all cylinders, especially with Knox kid. He's pretty good um, down low for him. Uh, Auburn, I think they're missing something to go all the way this year but I think they'll be able to make the splash and go to at least the lead eight with the team they have. I have to agree with, with a lot of what you said, but this nowhere near as deep as the ACC and the top of the ACC, you've got UVA and they're, they could win the title this year easily. Right. And then, okay. um, and, and then of course you've got Duke. They had a great year. Um, you know, Grayson Allen's not going to go out like a chump. He's going to, he's going to try to win every last game of his college career. Um, then you've got the Tar Heels. Those are like my my locks. Obviously, those are top 25 teams that are going to get a good seed in the tournament. Virginia could have the number one overall seed, right? Yeah. Well, I, I don't uh, know. Definitely, Virginia should have the number one overall seed. They they I mean they're winning games that they shouldn't be winning. I mean they're just playing great games. Like they, the Louisville games. Did you see that this week? No, I did not. Oh my gosh! I'll man, talk Louisville. about Louisville's season though. Yeah. Virginia and well, went to Lou or I think it was at Louisville or at Virginia. But regardless, uh, Virginia was down four points, uh, got fouled, made the free throw, made two free throws, um, stole the ball from in, or it was like a five-second call for the inbounds play with .9 seconds left in the game. Dude from Virginia passes it out and pops a three to win the game. And, and they just have like the most ridiculous defense of anybody. Oh yeah, They're they shut down everybody. people's points so low so those are you know the, the elite part of the ACC Virginia Duke and Tar Heels but then Clemson had a fantastic season and they could obviously make a run they beat the Gators who you say are a good team they beat Louisville which to me is a little suspect but obviously you know they had their whole scandal and Patino leaving so I'm surprised they even are even a bubble team to be honest but then you've uh, – Miami, I'll get to, they had a great season. Clemson beat them, and Clemson beat the Tar Heels, and Clemson beat the Knolls, and you know how I feel about the Knolls. They have a great <laughs> basketball team. So Clemson is – oh, and they beat Ohio State. You know, Ohio State's, I think, the second-best team in the Big Ten behind Michigan State. So Clemson is a phenomenal team right now, had a great season. They might do – you know, as, as much as it pains me to praise Clemson. And then Miami – they beat MTSU. You and I both know how good MTSU is. They beat Louisville. They beat Virginia Tech, who's a very good team. 
They beat the Tar Heels. They beat, uh, you know, those are the top wins I'd say Miami had. MTSU, Louisville, Virginia Tech, and the Tar Heels. But Miami's definitely in the tournament as far as I can tell. And and who knows what they can do there. Coach Laranega, he does, I think he does a phenomenal job there. Louisville, people are mentioning as a, you know, bubble team. I, I think they should leave them out. The only good wins they have is Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Southern Illinois. And I'm I don't even I'm just grasping at straws throwing Southern Illinois in there. Like Louisville did not have a very good season, but you know, obviously given the circumstances, I guess they outperformed what you would expect after that whole debacle. But I wouldn't I wouldn't I'd say they should be in the NIT. But Florida State's obviously in the tournament and could who knows what they can do there. They beat the Gators, they beat the Tar Heels, they beat Syracuse, they beat Virginia Tech, they beat Miami, they beat Clemson. Florida State's had a very good season and can do well in the tournament. Uh, Syracuse, they've had a good year. I, I'm assuming they're going to be in the tournament as well. They, um, even though they're not from the South, they're in the ACC, right? So they um, they beat Buffalo, and the reason why I mentioned Buffalo, Buffalo's in the MAC. And they're in first place, and they're number four RPI. So that's actually a solid win. Then they beat yeah. Virginia Tech uh, as well. Virginia Tech's very good. They beat Louisville, not that impressive. And they beat Miami, so that's impressive. So I, I think Syracuse will just kind of – well, you know, unless they don't do well in the ACC tournament. But Virginia Tech is who I really want to talk about. They beat Washington, one of the best Pac-12 teams. They beat the Tar Heels. They beat Virginia – they beat UVA, Virginia Tech did, their in-state rival. They beat Clemson, and they beat Duke. So, I mean, Buzz Williams has uh, his team, his players, uh, they're humming right along. They're having a great year. Who knows how deep they can go in this tournament. He's a great coach. Uh, so I would expect they will perform well. So who who knows who will even win the ACC tournament. Uh, you've got a lot of good teams that might be able to. I mean, they've beat Virginia once. Who knows what Virginia Tech can do. So I would say clearly the ACC is better than the SEC, uh, just like they are most years in basketball. But I will give you the uh, unexpectedness of some of the teams in the SEC, particularly Auburn and Tennessee. It's a it's impressive. It's a story. I mean, yeah, and, I agree. I'm I'm looking at Tennessee's schedule right now, and I mean the way they've come along this year. I mean, early in the season, I think they might have one of the toughest schedules I've seen in a while. Uh, out of a Tennessee team. They played Purdue at Purdue and beat them by Jeez. three. They played at Villanova, uh, lost to them in a close one. Then they played against NC State and beat them at home, uh, played Georgia Tech and beat Georgia Tech, which is an easy win in my opinion. But still, that's a, a, a Georgia Tech team. Uh, played UNC, lost a close one to them, um, beat up on Kentucky. They beat up on Iowa State at Iowa State. So, I mean, that's a tough win on the road. Um, beat Kentucky again on the road. So they've swept Kentucky this year in basketball. Oh, um, that's great. I mean, they've had a phenomenal season. They're on a five-game or four-game winning streak going into the conference tournament, which is why I think, you know, uh, Rick Barnes might be on to something with these guys, and they might, they might uh, shock the nation and uh, upset some people in the tournament. You might not have them as far, um, but you should definitely put them pretty far in your, or deep in your tournament, in my opinion. Which I agree. Which makes me believe, you know, if they play North Carolina again or if they play the Duke or Miami or Clemson, one of your top teams, I think they have a good chance in beating them. 
I don't know if it's a it's it's I think it's a close game. Um, I think that's a toss up when it comes to you know your Duke. But if you put them against Virginia, I think Virginia's defense will just clog them up and like they've done to everyone all season. That's the only I guess independent variable uh, with the ACC this year uh, in basketball. Without Virginia being as good as they are, I think SEC hands down. I mean the bottom half. Um, I think let me pull it up real quick. Uh, I think the bottom half is just phenomenally way better. No, um, you're, you you're have right. I'll, I'll throw Ole it Miss. in like, Yeah, go ahead. Ole Miss against Pittsburgh. I mean, Ole Miss would destroy Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh's 0-18 in conference, 8-23 of the year. I mean, Ole Miss lost their coach, and they still have been fighting battles. Uh, had a, held Kentucky to a close matchup until the last five minutes of the game. Um, Vanderbilt, you know, I think they're probably one of the best teams in the country when it comes to playing at home. Um, but they got the too. Yeah, but their new coach, Vandy, I mean, they're 6-12 in the, in the conference. 12-19, uh, they've struggled this year. But I still think, you know, put them against Wake Forest or Georgia Tech, I think Vandy comes out on top. I mean, another stat that you need to look into, or I think is a fun stat to look into, is the SEC in the SEC versus Big 12 Challenge, they were 6-4 and four in the Big 12 Challenge. So they beat the Big 12 this year, which uh, I think was the first year that, that, that they've been able to pull that off. Um, so I think that speaks numbers with the ability of the SEC this year, uh, being able to go into the, some Big 12 teams' places and be able to beat them and come up on top. Um, I think, honestly, the ACC is top-heavy. They got, like you said, the Virginia, Duke, Miami, Clemson, North Carolina, NC State, and Virginia Tech are all tournament teams, in my opinion. I think Florida State, Florida State and Louisville are, are bubble teams at this point. I think Florida State needs to prove something in the tournament in order to uh, – in order to get into the tournament. Okay. Well, they got with some quality wins. But the number of wins is not so high, so I can agree with exactly. you on that. Yeah, the, the being 20 and 10 is just I, – I think the committee's being a little stricter on that. I think if they boost that up to 22, uh, get two wins in the conference tournament, which I think it's very capable for a Florida State team to do if they go if they act on all cylinders like they have been. Um, I think that's a team that could make, make the tournament, but they'll be in that first-round tournament play – you know, uh, playing in the playing games. I think a 10 seed playing game. Yeah, I think if they don't win any more games, they will. You're right. They'll be in the playing game with the 20 wins. That's usually what you see. That even a 19 win team, if they've got some quality wins, will if they're in a Power Five, they'll get that playing game. But who knows what can happen in that? You lose that, you bomb nothing. So you're right. They do need to win some games in the ACC tournament to at least give themselves a better fighting chance. Because um, you usually pay, play somebody pretty good in that playing game. If you're from a Power Five, you play another Power Five. Um, yep. But they, back, yep. Back to your Tennessee beating Purdue, man. That is that's impressive. I don't think I knew they had played them earlier. I hadn't paid much attention to Tennessee until more recently, uh, realizing yep. hey, they're really doing well. Yeah, I mean, I was doing this. I was the same way. I I didn't notice until uh, earlier this morning when I was looking at their schedules. Like, dang gum. They beat Purdue early in the season. I mean, it's early, but still. And then Arkansas is doing the same thing. They beat a ranked Minnesota team early. Um, I mean, they had a close game against UNC as well. I mean, it wasn't as close as Tennessee, uh, but it was it was close to the last minutes. They beat Tennessee. Um, they beat Texas A&M, and they beat Auburn. So, I mean, Arkansas is another team. that, you, And they beat Alabama at Alabama, which I think Alabama is underperforming right now. Um, but I think – the big picture of this whole thing is that we wouldn't even be having this argument if the SEC didn't do something 
about two, three years ago that they did, and that's hired some good coaches. I mean, you yeah. got Rick Barnes, you got um, Bruce Pearl, and then also Alabama's coach, oh, what's his name? Um, Avery Johnson. Avery Johnson out of Alabama. I mean, that's huge. I think, you know, what they've been doing, what how they've been able to grab in all that coaching talent into the SEC, and also LSU's coach, uh, the Wade. Uh, well, and, and don't forget Mississippi State with uh, Ben Howland coming from well, UCLA. Yeah, exactly. I think, honestly, that – SEC, you know, they're, I think they're going to get probably about six, seven teams this year in the tournament, and I think they might be a force to reckon with uh, from coming here on out in college basketball. So <laughs> I kind of feel bad for some of these conferences because SEC is going to start taking some of that money. <laughs> well, those, that's what's bringing those coaches to the SEC is that money, which, exactly. um, you know, it goes back to the beginning of our conversation. We, we support our college sports so heavily. Um, these schools are bringing in the revenue they can afford to pay these coaches because unfortunately they're not paying the athletes, which we'll talk about the uh, the FBI probe. You know, when they do start paying athletes, it's obviously NCAA violation. But um, yeah. I guess first we want to talk about the uh, AAC and the CUSA. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's go to the AAC CUSA. I think I'll let you start off with the CUSA and give me your thoughts on that, on the how that conference is doing this year. Okay, well, it's not so exciting as the league you're going to cover. Um, MTSU is obviously the bright spot. They could, they could lose out in the conference tournament and they'll still get a bid. You know, obviously they'll give, get a bad seed if they were to do that. But it would be better for the league if they don't win the conference tournament because they're a top 25 team. They're, they're in already. Uh, Western Kentucky is your your second best team in my opinion. They beat SMU, which Obviously, doesn't sound that impressive at this point in the season. But when they scheduled SMU, that was one of the better teams in the country. Um, you know, they, they're they number 42 RPI, Western Kentucky. So they're a solid program. But unfortunately, they probably won't get into the tournament unless they win the conference tournament. And then the only other outside shot would be Old Dominion if they were to win the conference tournament. Um, that'd be their only way in. Western Kentucky also beat Old Dominion twice this year. Um, so you've got MTSU and and uh, and perhaps Western Kentucky or Old Dominion if one of them were to – of course, obviously, if any team wins the tournament, the conference tournament, then they're in March Madness. But uh, it, you're kind of hoping that MTSU doesn't win the conference tournament just so someone else from that league can get in there. That, t- that league, as you know, of course, Memphis used to be in there. That league used to regularly get multiple teams into the con- into March Madness, to the NCAA tournament. Um, now they've become a one-bid league, which is a shame. But, you know, that's the nature of conference realignment. A lot of those CUSA schools are now in the AAC, so I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, the AAC is not as exciting as it has been in recent years. Um Due to a lot of things, you know, a lot of people graduating last year, um, especially with this one one thing I can't – I have to get off my chest. Memphis played USF this this uh, week, James. Right. USF, USF destroyed Memphis at home this week. And USF's pretty terrible. USF. Remember we went to the conference champion, We went to the conference <laughs> tournament about two years ago. They were down yeah. by three points, and they didn't shoot a three-pointer. They didn't shoot a three-pointer the entire game. And they came into Memphis and beat us by 20. Oh, my God. 20-plus 20 points. 
that that's got to it was the rough, and I think there's less than a thousand people at the game. It's it's looking bad here in Memphis for Memphis uh, basketball. But the good parts of the AAC, the Cincinnati and the Wichita State, those are two automatic teams in the tournament. Um, I think Absolutely. Houston. I think Houston also has a chance to get in, and Tulsa. Uh, Houston has a chance to get in if they make a little run in this in this uh, tournament. Uh, and same with um, Tulsa. I think one of those teams might be able to fight their way in. Uh, Houston's got some, uh, I guess, decent wins. They, they beat Arkansas. They killed Arkansas, which is a good win for them. Uh, they beat Providence, um, which they're normally a pretty good team. And same with yep. Blue. Um, so, and Wake Forest. So, I mean, they they kind of did some good wins in the in the preseason. Um, but where they've kind of made up for it is they beat Cincinnati. They beat Temple. Um, I mean, they've beat Wichita State, so they beat the teams they need to beat in order to get into the tournament. But in order yeah. for the committee to actually see them, I feel, as a tournament team, they need to make a deep, a deep run in the conference tournament. Um, Cincinnati has some awesome pretty big wins uh, at the, at, in their preseason as well. As they came up, beat Mississippi State. Um, they beat UCLA. Uh, I mean, they played a couple other small schools. They had a close one against Florida. Um, in, in the Never Forget Tribute Classic, also had a close one against Xavier. So I feel like, you know, they can make a decent run. I feel like they might be a weekend and bust team. Um, Wichita State might be the team to watch in this tournament, though. Uh, beating Baylor at Baylor, um, beating Oklahoma State, having a close one with Oklahoma with Trey Young and that and that squad. Um, so I feel like if they can get on a, a good run, I mean they've won. Eight of the last ten, eight of the last nine games that they've played. So I feel like Wichita State's a team to watch in the tournament. They might make a good Sweet 16 Elite Eight run, but I don't think they'll go much further than that. But as as for you know comparing to the CUSA, there's no comparison at this year, which kind of stinks. MTSU is a great squad, but other than that, I think AAC just blows them out of the water. You're right. Did did you watch that uh, Cincinnati Wichita State game today? Yes, it's a phenomenal game. That was a great I mean, game. I mean, Cincinnati, they did exactly what they needed to do to, I think that was their ticket into the tournament. I think they had a good chance to get into it in like a playing game, but I think that, that win right there solidified their chance, no matter what they do in conference play or conference tournament, solidified their chance to uh, make it into the tournament and be – Oh, absolutely. I, I think, honestly, a seven seed, uh, maybe six seed, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, well, they're ranked number 10 in the top 25 in the AP poll. Oh, and then Wichita State was number 11. So that they're both automatic, like you said. Those those schools are in. But, you know, what seed they get, that will be de- determined on what they do in this AAC tournament. But yeah. um, Houston, I think, I'd say they're in. Those are If they beat Cincinnati, they beat Wichita State, that's two big-time wins. They're in, but they could be a, have a really bad seed if they don't do well in this conference tournament, like you said. Like, if they lose the first game, they they could get a play-in game just for that. So, yeah. you know, they had a great year, but they're not. if they don't do well in this conference tournament, then it's not going to really do them any favors other than getting a play-in game. It's looking like, from what I'm seeing, it's looking like it's going to be a pretty fun conference tournament uh, coming up. I mean, Memphis needs a lot of wins. Um, I think they're going to try to get into the NIT this year. Um, so they're going to need a lot of wins, so they might be playing a little harder than normal. 
Um, Tulsa, they, they're going to need to get to the championship in order to get to this uh, conference yeah. tournament or to get into the NCAA tournament. So I That's think right. you're going to see them try to, you know, bust their butt and get in there. Right now they're playing, Tol- they're playing Temple. And uh, they're they're winning 46-34 in the second half, so that's looking good for them to end the season off with a W to start that conference tournament play. But you're right. There's no comparison between the AAC and CUSA. It's kind of a shame that the CUSA has kind of fallen. Uh, mm-hmm. But such is life. They're kind of like the new Sun Belt, which uh, I don't know that tells you about the uh, the actual Sun Belt. They're even a step below CUSA. Perhaps, or maybe they're on par, but uh, the um, MTSU coach, Kermit Davis, I was wondering, you know, is this guy going to stick around? Because this is a team that's been good going on three years now, and I, I looked him up. Given his age, I bet he does stay there. Uh, he's, a, he's an older gentleman, so I would think MTSU's set, man. They got a nice coach, Kermit Davis. They're, they're a real program right, right now. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're honestly they're going to dominate that league until that coach retires. Um, in my opinion, I think, like you said, that guy's old. Uh, he's uh, there's no real reason for him to leave. Um, you know, he's got a good squad going in for years to come. So and he's built a good program. So it's, it's got to be easier to recruit now for him. So I think well, you know NTSU will be the Memphis of this USA for years to come. That's a good spot to be in. That's that's a nice analogy too. Uh, thinking back to the way Memphis was when they were winning the CUSA every year. What about uh, – what do you think David Padgett, you, what do you think his chances are keeping that head coaching job at Louisville? I mean, I I was watching the games last night. Man, he's done something that I think it's it's hard for a lot of coaches to do. He's had these players, you know um, – kind of lose interest in the in the sport of basketball because of everything that came out, that NCAA investigation, losing their coach. He's kind of revamped that whole program and kind of made them believe again. And I think, honestly, if I was Louisville, I'd give him, I'd give him the shot to stay there and recruit and see what he can do for a, year, a couple of years, two or three years. And I think he's the guy that honestly could revamp that program completely and get them back on the path that they were going for the national championships and whatnot. Yeah, you know, I think I agree with you. I think it's really in, it's going to be really interesting to watch what happens because Louisville is a premier program. Patino, you know, put them back on the map. They were a premier program under, I think his name was Denny Crum in the 80s, and then they kind of fell off, and then Patino came there back to the state of Kentucky after he left the NBA, um, Boston Celtics, and then put Louisville right back on the map. And then, of course, they won a national championship with an asterisk, but, you know, that that's why I'm saying this is a real big thing to watch. What's going to happen? This is a premier program. Are they going to keep this guy? Because they could, who knows, they could, they got deep pockets. They could hire anybody, really, but he's proven himself, in my opinion. I mean, even yeah, if I mean, they don't make the tournament, he's still proven himself for at least a, you know, a couple-year extension, um, no, but I agree. he might even I, do well in the tournament. Yeah, I think that's an easy st- – I think – I mean, let's look, early in the season, he went to Purdue and lost them by nine points. I mean, that's a solid loss, in my opinion, to be able to go into <laughs> Purdue early in the season. I mean, it's like fifth game in the season, go in there and lose by five. Uh, plays Indiana, beats Indiana. Um, 
I mean, he did get kind of swallowed up by Kentucky, but I mean, that's that. that I guess that's understandable being the first time uh, coaching that squad. But I mean, he's had some quality wins, um, keeping it close to Virginia, um, beating Pitt at being Pitt at Pitt, being Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech, um, and almost honestly should have won against Virginia earlier this week. So I mean, I think that David Padgett's the guy that needs to be. Uh, the leader going forward, and if he can do something in this big in this ACC championship um, or ACC tournament, I think it'd be something special to see Louisville back into back in March uh, this year after everything that's happened to him. I'll be interested to see what happens with Clemson's head coach too, um, Brad Brownell. So he's he's had a phenomenal season, and you know I guess Clemson would have the money to to give him what he's worth. But I just, yeah, you know, I haven't seen it before. You know, that's not really been a basketball school, basketball-oriented university or athletic department. But hey, I would, I would imagine they have the funds to give the man the money he's earned, keep him there long term. I mean, if you want to continue being a premier program in the ACC, you got to pay the man the money. I mean, I agree with you. <laughs> if they don't pay him the money, I know Memphis will. <laughs> we'd <laughs> exactly. Love, we'd love to have him. <laughs> Well, he'll, he'll, that's what I'm think, thinking. The market will be real hot for him, given what he did this year. Yeah, I mean, he's made Clemson, you know, a contender <laughs> for the ACC championship this year, and he's made them a contender for um, a chance to be in the NCAA tournament. So. That's right. I mean, that's, that's great for him. Uh, great for the Clemson, the Clemson brand, too, to be able to have football and basketball be relevant. Right. Perfect. Well, the big topic, I guess, where we need to go to now is this NCAA investigation. I mean, what are your thoughts on this this crazy thing that's been happening in the FBI going in and, uh, you know, kind of busting up the NCAA college hoops and how it's been running the past couple of years? Well, it's been running this way since the early 1900s. Like, you want talented athletes they're worth something right and yeah. to, in their minds many of them say well I'm worth more than you know free education in a dorm room you know or um, you know meal plan on campus and, and and I have to agree many of them are worth more than that you, if you're talking about the uh, blue chip athletes it could be one and done status how are you going to tell them they're not worth that money and sit out or, you know, be patient, sit out the round of people trying to offer you money, don't accept it, don't accept it, don't accept it, and what happens if you get hurt? Then you never got really much of all of anything uh, for your talent, for your gifts. And so, now nah, I know they've probably been given a little bit here and there during AAU basketball as well. And that kind of, you know, primed the pump, so to speak, because they're getting, getting them bigger money when they go off to college, but I just think it's absolutely absurd, the NCAA's policy on amateurism. You know, they have to be a student athlete, and they have to not receive any compensation above tuition and room and board um, for their athletic talents. But it's it's like prohibiting alcohol, you know, or drugs or firearms. Like, mm-hmm. people, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't say you're not going to get any money that's being offered to you. You have to decline all of it from a shoe company, from an agent, from a booster, from a fan, whoever. 
you it's unreasonable to expect that people will not be tempted and this NCAA policy of amateurism is a farce because this is nothing new it's new that the FBI is this heavily involved but there's nothing new for these young people to be getting compensated it just has to be under the table due to the NCAA's policies and I do feel a little bit um, I don't know what's the word for it frustrated I guess that this is what our federal tax dollars are being directed towards for the FBI to investigate the corruption in college basketball, which, yeah, we know is there, has been there for 100 years. But we have, to me, so many more pressing things for our tax resources to be uh, allocated towards. Corruption at more significant areas of our society than college basketball. You know, so I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, I, I honestly don't understand why the NCAA cracks down so hard on the amateurism of uh, their student athletes and why these kids can't get – I mean, I, I understand not getting, you know, the money they would get if they go to the NBA, but I feel like these students, you know, getting that free education and getting, um, you know, their room and board paid for is definitely not enough for them. Um because outside of that, I mean, they still got to find a way to get food. Uh, still got to find a way to, um, you know, su- support themselves. And like you said, if they get hurt, I mean, that could be millions of dollars out of their pocket in their best time. Um, and with the NBA saying they have to go to college one year, creating that one and done rule, I mean, that really scares, um, in my opinion, should scare a lot of these student athletes uh, to go to college instead of choosing to go overseas but you know going overseas is also asking a lot for a 17 18 year old kid to do so i definitely think there needs to be some type of change um with the ncaa rule or there needs to be some some way for these student athletes to um either get compensated for their work so, i mean they're making the schools buttloads of, and the ncaa buttloads of money for you know ticket sales jersey sales concession sales all that uh is all for these student athletes. Um, so I think that, and also, you know, having the FBI investigate something that I think is a little childish over, you know, uh, some of the other social issues that we have. Um, something that I thought was crazy, though, is seeing some of the small schools being named in this uh, investigation, like Seton Hall and Xavier. I mean, Xavier's pretty good at basketball, but Seton Hall, seeing their name brought up, I mean, you don't really see them in the spotlights for. Um, their basketball program. Same with uh, Utah, and yeah, I think those are the only only small. Creighton is also one of the schools that was named in this uh, investig in this uh, um, FBI investigation. Vanderbilt. I mean, just it's crazy seeing some of these teams brought up in there that aren't even you know making the top ten or top twenty or even making it to the Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight in, the, in their tournament, and they're getting punished for it. So I think that's that's something also that kind of um, is interesting. Yeah, I mean, they want to compete, right? So they Seton Hall wants to compete. Creighton wants to compete. Uh, those are great, you know, Catholic schools, but they want to be good in basketball as well. And so yeah. they're going to they're going to try to lure talent just like the premier programs are doing. They want to they want to seat at the table. You know, and there's there's enough talent to go around. You know, you'll have a Kentucky that'll be, you know, eight or nine deep but you know there's still enough room for Seton Hall to grab a couple 
great players, but they're going to have to pay the price. Like it's, it's just the nature. I, I think it's, uh, it's naive to think that this is not going on all over the country and every power five conference and, and even some of the mid majors. Uh, it's, it's, un, you know, unreasonable to think that this is not going to happen. Uh, now, getting to some sort of payment system for them, like you said, I do think change is coming. How that payment will be made will be very challenging because the vast majority of student athletes don't deserve anything more than their scholarship. And in many cases, they only deserve a partial scholarship because they're not contributing that much economically to the school. <clears throat> At least not yet. Maybe after they graduate, donate to the school. But it's the premier superstar athletes that are generating millions of dollars and allowing these coaches to have these absurd contracts and, you know, having these, you know, entertainment palaces filled with fans. It's a handful of extremely talented superstar athletes that are being told you cannot go to the NBA. We have this rule that says you have to be a year removed from high school. So, yeah, you could be, like you mentioned, you could go overseas, but that's pretty intimidating for uh, a teenager. Um, and in some of the places would, you know, not be the best location for them, uh, language barrier and cultural issues. But anyway, but, you know, you have to go to college whether you want to be there or not because you want your dream is to play in the NBA. And so they they have it. They have this system you know why why aren't why can't they go to the g league why does the nba not say okay from high school you go to the g league just like a minor league baseball player comes from can come from high school they turn down going to college they can go play you know rookie balls you know or um you know single a double a move their way up to triple a hopefully get into the big leagues what you've got a g league already set up why can't you develop players yourself? Why do they have to be at the expense of the university that that's not going to compensate them? Well, you know, a scholarship is their form of compensation, but for, like you said, for some of them, it's not enough. They're worth more. And, you know, of course we see this in football too, like Lamar Jackson or um, why am I drawing a blank on the guy that Johnny won the, football. Johnny football. Well, well, yeah, but the, the, uh, the guy that won the Heisman for Oklahoma. Oh, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I mean these these guys, they're worth so much money to their school. It's incredible. Yeah. Johnny Football, like you said, I mean, the amount of money these guys are generating due to their persona and their talent is in the millions. And you know, obviously Manziel had some clever ways of trying to capture a little bit of that revenue that was uh, you know prohibited to come directly to him by the NCAA. Well. We'll see where this is going. I, I mean, think a change think, is coming. Do you think that, um, I mean, have you heard about the LeVar Ball situation, that he is thinking about trying to build that league? Do you think that the big baller brand league is uh, an outlet that would be worth it to these college or these high school kids, these one-and-done kids to go to instead of going through the NCAA and kind of having that year um, – playing the best talent i mean because if they're one and done they're gonna be one and done and that means that you know they're the best talent in uh college basketball being able to play in that league do you think it'll be a sustainable you know league or do you think it's just uh you know a waste of lavar ball's time and money to even get that going well this guy is an opportunist and he's really looking for anything to build around his brand and his 
his empire that he's got in his mind. But yeah, it's not a bad idea, and I'm glad that somebody, no matter who it is, is coming forward with this idea because uh, you know is it viable and sustainable? That I don't know, but it needs to be tried and tested so that there is an alternative within our country that is paid and legitimately, uh, you know, permitted to pay the, the athletes. So why do everything so illegally? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose any interest in college basketball if it was lacking the, the top, top, top talent that would go play in a league like that. Or I don't know why they can't just go to the G league, but if they want to let LeVar ball have that empire of uh, developing pro basketball players, then, then the NBA can let him do that. You'd think they'd want to control that themselves um, yeah. if there's going to be a pro league. But there's obviously a blind spot that the NBA has with this right now. Like they, they are milking the system, getting colleges to develop these players for them at no expense to them, and then they can kind of use uh, the G League to develop those kind of second-round players or – players that went undrafted or players that might have gotten drafted high but look kind of bad now that you know they're second guessing themselves so they kind of use it for that to kind of evaluate the players that they've drafted but only two rounds it's nothing like baseball or football even um, so they really have this system down and it's working great to, for their advantage but it's at the expense of the colleges right and now it's at the expense of the taxpayer we've got fbi agents uh working on these topics so uh, you know it, it doesn't make a lot of sense that we have this system set up like this if you were to explain our our scenario here with college athletes getting paid but it's illegal um i mean it's not illegal but it's a violation of ncaa rules but then corruption is illegal that's a crime and so if you were to explain this to a foreigner uh then they would what how, what does this have to do with college you know, what does this have to do with college? And I have no idea what it has to do with college. It doesn't make any sense. I would, my point is I would still love college basketball if there was this alternative route where the blue chip athletes went to, they bypass college altogether, they go get developed in this league or in the G League. Mm -hmm. I would, I would lose any interest in college sports. I would still would love it. It's just the, it's the pageantry, it's the, the spirit and pride that you have in those colleges and those communities like it would still be incredibly interesting to me without that top 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 talent coming yeah i agree completely i mean i think it would kind of hurt the brand a little bit of college basketball because you wouldn't have those big names you wouldn't have the marvin bagley's of the world or the um trey young's but i mean i i agree that it wouldn't really hurt the name that much I'd still watch, you know, the March Madness tournament because the sleepers, the upsets, the Cinderella stories in me, that's what you watch it for, to see those small schools come in and try to beat one of these big schools and the pride they have in the school and the team uh, and that camaraderie they have. I mean, I agree. The pageantry that you said earlier, I mean, I agree with all that in college basketball. I think that if there isn't something done by the NCAA, then the NBA needs to step in and either give these kids a chance um, by saying, hey, you can get drafted into the G League, sign that two-way contract thing that they have, um, so they get their money. And Or if they don't want to go to the G League at first, you have to go to college for two years. 
I feel like you, there should be an if or like an if or and in that situation. Like you should, if you don't do this, then you should do this. Um, right. The the way the college baseball draft is, or I'm sorry, the major league baseball draft is, where you can elect to go to college. You could even go to junior college and then test the MLB draft again, and then you could decide, do I want to go to a four-year college or do I want to go into you know the minor league system? Uh, they need to have some options for these young people because the way it's going right now, it's not working. You're not going to be able to stop these payments. I mean, they, you see schools getting in trouble when they've already been in trouble. Like SMU had the death penalty, right? And then yeah. they come back, they rebuild their brand, they bring Larry Brown, and then they get in trouble again. You know, and this yeah. is it, it, it's not surprising. You'll see this at Southern Cal. You'll see this wherever. I don't mean to pick on any specific school. Could it could be any school in the Power Five conferences or even even mid majors? Um, it's not going to stop because you know your competitor is doing that, or you've even yeah. been told. You've even been told, hey, you know, I don't want to get too much in the Cam Newton situation when you, but it was basically like, Hey, well, this school's offering X amount of dollars. Are you going to offer that, you know, and I don't even fault the guy or his family. Like if, you know, no. the payment went to his dad's church, what on earth is wrong with that? Right. No, I mean, and I, at the same time, it's like these guys can get hurt and the next day their life's done. Like, you know, that's what right. was their life from the time they were little till college sports. till their, their goal was to get to, to become a pro athlete and they've done everything they've they've done everything right you know they've gone to class they've um you know done the the, the work to you know build up their i guess um build up their resumes to be able to be a pro athlete and then they get hurt one season or for you know tear their acl they're out like <laughs> you don't come back from an acl tear and be the same player you were beforehand i right. mean it's just so i think that's what really is key uh, for the NCAA to kind of be able to see that and be like, hey, we got to pay these guys. I mean, uh, LeVar's league, what he was saying is the lowest player would get paid 3000 a month and the highest pay, uh, the highest ranked player would get paid 10000 So you'd be ranked with three to 10000 I think that's actually a pretty good number for these college basketball athletes. I mean, they're probably bringing in at least that much. I mean, your five-star recruits, your Marvin Bagley's, they should be getting like six, seven, six to $10,000 a month that they're playing. Uh, I have to agree. And and the whole reason why we're even having this conversation is because these athletes are worth it. Like the only reason why people are giving them money, whether it's a, a agent or a college or a coach or, um, you know, a booster, the only reason is because they're worth it. And so how are you going to tell someone who's worth something that they can't have what they're worth? It's never going to work. No, I I agree. I think, I mean, at the end of the day, NCAA's got to change or the NBA's got to change their rule. I think that's that's just how it is. I mean, I understand why the NBA had that one-and-done rule. It's because they were, there was talent coming in to the NBA that wasn't worth it, and people were wasting their lottery picks on it. But at the same time, if you're wasting your lottery picks on that, that means you're not scouting that guy well enough. And they're still wasting lottery picks sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you're always going to waste your lottery pick. You're always going to miss out on someone. So, I think either or needs to change or there needs to be an outlet for these, these basketball players to, you know, to make that change. Agreed. I, I do think it's it's going to come. You know, one other alternative, if I can see the complexity and just the 
it's not feasible to have all these college athletes paid. I mean, most schools are in the red. They're losing money. Now, of course, they could restructure the way these coaches are paid and give some of that to the people earning the money with the, alongside the coach, which is the athlete. But one alternative would be to just allow the athletes to have endorsement deals. So the best athletes will get the most money unless somebody's marketable, marketable due to their persona and they're kind of a mediocre athlete. But usually the best athletes would get the best endorsement deals. And why would you not be able to market yourself and your brand and your image and your likeness? And then, of course, the NCAA makes you waive that, right? That's why. But if they were to do away with that rule, then the NCAA wouldn't have to pay anyone. It would be Nike, Adidas, or Under Armour, or whoever. Um, you know, that's just apparel. Then you could get into sports drinks or who, all these, you know, banks could sponsor. I mean, whoever wants to get their brand associated with an athlete in college, let them have their own agent and their own deal. So, you know, the college athletic department isn't paying them a penny, uh, you know, because that's not feasible to pay everybody. And only certain schools could even pay anybody if they came, comes down to it because they're losing money on athletics. But that, what do you think about that? Just let them have their own endorsement deals. I mean, I'm I'm definitely down with that. Yeah, at least giving them their endorsement deals to where they're making some. I mean, I just got to make money. I mean, they deserve it. It's. I mean, if if someone wants, if Nike wants to endorse them or Adidas wants to endorse them, I mean, let let it happen. Let them get that money um, for their jersey sales, for their shoe sales, and go from there. Because I mean. I think one of the um, biggest things, I guess, or one of the players that's not, kind of screwed out of the money situation, I think we talked about this earlier this week, was uh, the Louisville quarterback, LeVar, ja- LeVar Jackson? Lamar, Lamar, Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. I mean, I feel like he's been he's been screwed out of the, the time of his life uh, on the money situation because I don't know if his game's going to you know, translate perfectly to the NFL how it, how it has in college. I agree. I think he's he's lost out on a lot of money in college and that he can't get back. I mean, he's the amount of money he made Louisville in his four years in college right. is I mean, probably astronomical. It it reminds me of before your time, but Tommy Frazier at Nebraska, who was just the top quarterback in the country and then he gets a terrible injury and ruins his football career before he could ever really get paid for it. Uh, hopefully the folks and Nebraska took good care of them like they do. They're, they love their Huskers, um, line them up with a good job, I'm sure. But still, it um, he did. He, it would be nice for him to have been paid while he was earning all that money. Um, but you know what? I just thought of something as we're talking. Maybe I will end up praising the FBI because maybe they're forcing the hand of the NCAA. I hadn't thought about that. You know, maybe this, maybe this is exactly what we want the FBI to do so that they see something that's corrupt. Why should it just be allowed to be corrupt? You know, we're going to get involved if you guys don't fix this. Fix it, NCAA. That, that's actually a very interesting view point of view you have right there because I, I haven't thought about that either. But if that's the case, then hats off to the FBI for doing their job because, right. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> I'm hoping that, uh, that that might be the case. You know, there are so many good, upstanding people that are working in the Bureau uh, and 
and these agents are, you know, they really care about our country, maybe they are like, why should we have this aspect of our society that's just rampant with corruption and force the hand, fix it? Now, if the NCAA doesn't do anything about it, then I'm going to feel pretty stupid with that theory. <laughs> but until that point, your theory, I think, holds true, or it's a strong, it's definitely a strong theory. But I guess um, where we're going to go to next, um, I think enough of you know talking about the NCAA investigation. Let's get a happier subject going. Um, what do you think is? Do you have a game of the week that you you looked up or anything of that nature? Well, you know, I'm just really excited to watch the ACC basketball tournament. And, of course, I'll be with you in New Orleans, and we'll be watching the uh, the uh, Sun Belt Conference tournament there. Of so course. I'm, excited. I'm excited about conference tournaments. Not, uh, not really a specific game. Of course, normally I get excited about any Florida State basketball game. They played Boston College, and they won, and they finished their season strong. That's perfect. But I think Boston College is not <laughs> very good. Not the not the strongest team, <laughs> but hey, you, you gotta you gotta beat those teams. I mean, Memphis, they had two easy games. I mean, they got ECU tonight, but they had USF. If they won both those, they had a first round bye and see what it, what it did to them. They got blown out at home by that USF team. So, I mean, you still gotta finish the season strong. But uh, I think my game of the week, uh, game to look for, is that Old Dominion versus West Kentucky in the Conference USA semifinals if they make it there. I think those two teams, uh, it'll be fun to see who kind of comes out on top in that one to see who's going to give MTSU a run for their money. Uh, yeah. Because like you said, I think they're going to be fighting for their tournament spot. MTSU is going to be fighting for that conference championship and, you know, to prove dominance in that league. And I think that game, that conference championship game on Saturday might be a lot more exciting than what people are, are giving it credit for. I agree. So, And then also, you know, the Sun Belt tournament, being able to go there and see uh, how good, how actually good that UL Lafayette team is, and um, to see if it, they can, you know, make a run and win that their conference. But I think Georgia State, Georgia Southern, you know, the number two seed and three seed, and uh, Texas Arlington, you know, they had a good run last year in the in the uh, NCAA tournament. Um, one of those teams might be able to upset the, the top dog there. So that ton of, that tournament in New Orleans is going to be a fun one. Um, I think. Next week we'll be able to talk more. We'll be live from New Orleans, so that's going to be exciting. And uh, Can't wait. that, and that, we'll see you next week. All right, this buddy. Is, this is Sports Down South. Big time. Big time. <laughs> All right.